I mean, look at this. I mean, I, this is the least amount of brown chairs that I've seen in a long time. I, re, I don't mind brown at all, beige, whatever color these are, but I don't like to see them when I'm in, in church. I like to see you. And to see you this morning is just, it's just a delight for me. So thank you for being with us. I want to uh, jump on board with Jonathan. He made an, uh, an announcement this morning that I think is very important. And for some of you, you may be just asking, well, why are we doing something like this? But throughout the summer, on the last Wednesday night of every month, we have scheduled food trucks to come in to our parking lot from 6.30 to 8. And there will be various types of food this week. It's going to be tacos. It, the, the truck is called Fistful of Tacos. I can just see Derek Williams with two handfuls of tacos just shoving them in his mouth. You say, why are we doing this, Pastor? And the reason is threefold. Number one, we need to reconnect with one another after this pandemic now is over, some of, some of you we haven't seen in a very long time. And sometimes it's just like a family reunion to be able to get back together, to bring your chair and sit and talk and visit and laugh and smile at one another. But secondly, it's an opportunity for you to bring some with, someone with you, might not come to a church service first, but they would come and have a taco with you. In fact, we've got some coupons right here that if you know somebody that you really think would come with you, I want you to come get one of these after church. It's free, and if, if you bring a guest and they want to have some tacos on us, just give them this and say, if you'll come to church with me Wednesday night and eat tacos, I'll buy your meal. And just give them one of these so that they can come. And when they get here, introduce them to other people. Say, hey, Billy Joe, this is Bobby Sue. And, 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 you know, back and forth and whatever, whatever you need to do, introduce them to other people so they can get connected. And then the last reason is that many of these small businesses in our community have suffered a lot during this pandemic. And they're doing everything they can to build their businesses back up. So I'm asking you to come and buy their food. You say, well, if it's overpriced, don't worry about it. God's, God owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He can supply your need to buy a taco. Come and buy their food, and then before you leave, put a nice donation in their tip jars so that when they leave off of our parking lot at 8 o'clock on Wednesday night, they'll say, boy, that was a great group of people right there, and they've been a huge blessing. So if you don't normally come on Wednesday night, try this out. Come, be with us. Let's have a great crowd, and let's let God use us as we build up these small businesses in our community. Okay, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to grab them and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to live there uh, this morning for a few moments. Today, we're going to finalize our sermon series where we've been talking about unexpected heroes. The next Sunday, we're going to start a brand new uh, sermon series, and we're going to be talking about the miracles of Jesus Christ. We're getting ready and we're anticipating a season where we believe that God is going to work the miraculous among us and in our world. 
And so we're going to pick out some of the miracles of Jesus, and we're going to talk about those and what they mean and what they meant in that day and how they can affect our lives. But today I want to wrap up this idea of unexpected heroes by talking about King David. Now, I, I know what some of you might be thinking this morning. You might be thinking, well, why would you list him as an unexpected hero? He's one of the most well-known individuals in Scripture. Well, the reason that I've selected David to talk about today is that no one expected him to rise to the level of greatness that he rose to. And we're going to look at his life when he was just a young boy. He was just a shepherd boy. But God selected him, a shepherd boy, to become one of the greatest kings that Israel ever knew. And so I want to talk to you for a few moments about this man named David. And I want to focus upon the fact that his words that he used were extremely important to his success. One thing I've discovered in my life is that what we say sets the table for God's blessings in our lives. What we say can either disarm the enemy and release the blessings of God, or, or it, it can just bring failure into our lives. So I want to talk about it. That we need to use our words of faith, not weapons, to win our battles. And we all fight battles. And immediately when we find ourselves moving into the battlefield, we begin thinking about what weapon should I use? And most times we want to choose carnal weapons, fleshly weapons. Someone smarts off to us, we want to smart off back to them. I was sitting at a stoplight yesterday, and the sign said, do not turn on red. No turn on red. And I'm sitting there. Some guy behind me is getting impatient, and he's honking his horn, and I'm just sitting there saying, okay, I got two choices here. I can go ahead and break the law and turn and possibly get a ticket for doing it, or I can get out of my car, but I'm not sure if he's packing or not. Or I can just sit here and patiently wait. And so I waited. But when I got ready to turn, I rolled my window down, pushed that little button. And as I'm getting ready to turn, I just pause long enough to point to the sign that says, No turn on red. And then I turned. Well, he went around me and, and looked at me as though I had lost my mind and, you know, I probably should have just minded my own business and gone on, but thank God I'm alive today to tell you this story. <laughs> Nobody shot me or pointed a gun at me or anything like that. But isn't it true that when we find ourselves facing challenges that we try to find some fleshly way to deal with that problem? I want to tell you today that if you're a child of God and you have the Spirit of God living in you, you don't have to choose carnal weapons. You don't have to choose fleshly weapons because 
You have the power and the Spirit of God living within you, and you have an array of spiritual weapons that you can use against the enemy. In fact, the Bible says that we shouldn't look to the carnal weapons, but the weapons that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we need to learn what those weapons are. And today I'd like to suggest to you that one of the most powerful weapons that we have available to us is our words. So David is just a young teenager and he finds himself having to deal with people who are trying to prevent him from becoming everything that God wants him to become. And so he had to fight three particular battles, all before he went to face Goliath, which is the story that we're talking about today. So there are three questions that I want to pose to you this morning, and we're going to talk about these three things. The first question is this, who told you that you're not worthy? Who told you that you're not worthy. Now I want you to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28. It says, Now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Now, here's what Eliab is trying to get in David's mind. He's trying to get him to question the call of God upon his life and to make him feel unworthy to even be there. It's a who sent you here? Why? Are you here? Who did you leave in charge of those precious little sheep that you are charged to take care of? It's trying to make him feel guilty for being there in the first place. I want to tell you that there are times in your life when the enemy will ask you this question over and over and over and over again. And he will bombard you with this question that says, who told you? That you are worthy of the blessings of God. I can remember a few years back, I was selected to speak at the Pentecostal Theological Seminary as we honored a man by the name of Carl E. Allen as he was being inducted into the Hall of Prophets. And I accepted the invitation. I was one among many that would be speaking. And I'll never forget the feeling that I had when I walked into the room where the speakers were all waiting. And I was standing with some of the Pentecostal greats of the church of God. And I was not expecting them to be there. I had my black suit on and my white shirt and my tie, the one that I usually only use, you know, when I'm, I'm, I'm doing a funeral or something like that. And I walked in there and I mean, as soon as I walked in the room, I had this voice speak to me and say, who do you think you are? 
to be in the room with such great men and women of God. And I'll tell you, I thought about that for a long time. And I'm, I'm said they were taking pictures and all that. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have my picture taken by Arla Marvess, by Gene D. Rice, by, and on and on the list could go. And here's little squiggly little Rob, Southern Illinois redneck, standing down at the end in the room with some of the Pentecostal greats of the Church of God. And my mind started going crazy. And all of a sudden, I couldn't even remember what I'd prepared to say that day. I couldn't even remember where to to start in my notes and I was feeling this sense of unworthiness and I realized very quickly that the enemy had got a hold of my mind in a moment when I needed to be clear-minded and needed to have confidence you said what did you do did somebody come by and pat you on the back and say it's going to be all right Robbie don't worry about it you know it's going to be no I just squared my shoulders and in faith and in the spirit, I said, I didn't ask to be here, enemy. I didn't ask to do this, but God has directed my steps to be here today. And I'm going to do my very best to represent him in the way that he has asked me to do it. And God helped me to be able to do that. There are many things that God has asked you to do. Maybe God has asked you to mother a family. Maybe God has asked you to father a family. Maybe God has asked you to be the only Christian witness in your place of employment. I could go on and on and on. And I know that there are days that you might feel like I am unworthy to do the things that God has called me to do. But let me tell you something. If God has called you, uh, you don't have to question your worth because you are worthy because he has made you so you are worthy sometimes we say well I'm not smart enough well listen I'll never be smart enough I like this one you're not old enough we'll talk about that in just a minute but let me tell you something and here's how I'm praying. If you're asking, how are you praying right now, pastor? What are you saying? I'll tell you what is on my heart as heavy as it has ever been since I've been your pastor. And that is for our youth and for our children. We've got to get our young people and our children fired up and filled with the Spirit of God. They don't need to be sitting back on the pews. They need to be doing something in ministry. Whatever that is, they need to be involved in the work of the Lord. Otherwise, when they get older, they're not going to have the, the ability and the desire to do it. I'm telling you, it's like I told you about my wife a couple of weeks ago when her mother said, get up there and play the organ. She said, I can't play the organ. She said, I didn't ask you if you could. I just said, get up there and play the organ. She's playing the organ now for many, many years. What I'm saying is, is we need to encourage our children, even at this age, that God has called you not to wait upon the Spirit of God, but to allow the Spirit of God that is in you right now to rise up and help you become the man or the woman that God has called you to be. I'm not old enough. And then there's some of us that say, well... I'm too old. I'm too old. You know, let the children do it. Let the young people do it. I'm too old. I'm telling you, it, it is a thing that the enemy will, will use against you. 
to cause you to feel like, well, my better days are behind me. Listen, I'm telling you that as long as I'm drawing breath in my body, my greater days are ahead of me. They're not behind me. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We have the strength. We have the ability to do it. I like this one. You're not talented enough. You can't do it. This is a good one. You don't fit the profile. Well, what in the world is the profile supposed to look like? You know, in the Pentecostal church years ago, if you didn't have a bun on top of your head standing straight up like the Tower of Babel and the women had their skirts on and their pantyhose and the men all wear their suits and their ties and and they had the Pentecostal profile. Now, let me tell you something. God's not impressed with any of that stuff. He looks in your heart to see whether or not you are filled with His Spirit and able to perform what He's called you to do. He'll also tell us, the enemy will, that our past failures limit our ability to accomplish things now and in our future. Listen, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have failed at times. But God hasn't called us to failure. If all we do is live in our failure from last year or the year before, 10 years ago, we'll never do anything. We've got to rise above our failures and say the power of God in me can move me away from that failure and into a favored future that God has for me. We think the consequences of our previous decisions have limited our opportunities or the accumulation of debt in my life because of bad decisions that I've made. Or here's one that I hear a lot. I'm embarrassed about the secrets of my previous life that nobody knows about. And I'm afraid that if they find out, I'm afraid if they find out, everyone will lose respect for me. Well, let me tell you something. If we all just had one of those nights where we all got together and said, we're all going to tell what our craziest secrets are in our life, I'm telling you, we would be so embarrassed and ashamed and afraid that we'd never want to show our faces here again. But listen, I'm here to tell you that once the Lord has forgiven you of your past, there's no need for you to revisit it, but to build your faith upon it and know that God will use that circumstance, use that failure to help me become effective in ministry today. But the enemy will say, you're not worthy. So we've got to practice. So I want you to say this with me. I'm going to put it on the screen. I just want you to say this. I want you to say, I'm forgiven. Will you say that? I want you to say, I'm saved. Say, I'm a king's kid. I am qualified. I am flawless. And Jesus Christ has made me worthy. Man, doesn't that make you feel better? I mean, your big toe might have been hurting when you came in here and you couldn't hardly walk because of the pain. But when you start declaring the truth about who you are in Christ, it will change the atmosphere of your life. There's another question that David had to face, and it's this. Who told you that you're not able? Who told you that you're not able? 
Now look at verse 33 in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now Eliab, his older brother, has already tried to convince him that he was unworthy. And now King Saul is trying to tell him that he's unable. Notice what he says in verse 33. Saul said to David, you are not able. You see that? To go against this Philistine and to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. Now, let me tell you something. There are people that are in close proximity to us who are hypocrites. Can I say that? Is that all right? Trying to be really careful today because I wasn't very careful last week. I'm trying to be careful today. Did, did, did you ever know somebody that tried to tell you something and they're just flat out hypocritical? Well, that's the way King Saul was. He says, You're not able to go against Goliath, you don't have the skill, you don't have the ability. You are not able. And then he goes on to say, he said, because you are a youth. And here's the hypocritical part. He said, this guy you're getting ready to go fight, he has been a warrior how long? Since his youth. Well, it's okay for Goliath to be a warrior when he's young, but it's not okay for David to be a warrior when he's young. Lies, lies, lies that the enemy will tell. Well, let me tell you something. If Goliath could be a trained warrior without the Spirit of God dwelling in him, then why can't little David be a warrior? with the Spirit of God alive and well in him. You, you want to know what the whole problem was? King Saul was afraid that David was going to outshine him. That's exactly what his problem was. And because he felt like that, he didn't mind being a hypocrite because he wanted to prevent David from facing Goliath in that battle. And so if I have to be a hypocrite to talk him out of it, then I'll just be a hypocrite. That'll be all right with me. But let me tell you something. The only thing that matters in our life is what has God said to you? And what has his word declared as truth into your spirit? I'm telling you, if God says you are able, you are able and you can do it in Jesus' name. I remember several years ago, I'd never been in ministry, had never done anything other than grow up in a traditional church. I went to college, I married Donna, which is the best, still the best thing I've ever done in my life other than getting saved. I really needed to get saved bad. So, well, you grew up in the church, I really needed to get saved bad. But then I wanted to marry her and it's the best thing I've ever done. But then one day I got a phone call from a pastor in a church 
It was one of the fastest growing churches in the church of God. And he called me and asked me to come and serve on his staff to be the music pastor at his church. And you know what my first response was? I'm not able to do that. I don't know how to do that. I, I'm just, as I've said, I'm just that kid from Southern Illinois. I don't know how to do that. And so I declined the offer. I accepted it first. And then I came back and I said, I've thought about this a little bit and I'm just not able. And one day I was walking across the parking lot there on the college campus and the state overseer for the church of God in California started chasing me down. And I thought, why is he chasing me? I haven't done anything. I'm saved. I'm getting sanctified. I'm feeling, why is he calling my name? And he came over to me and he said, I want to congratulate you on the opportunity that you have to go work for this pastor who is growing a great church there. Congratulations. You can do it. I'm rooting for you. And I hated to tell him that I had turned it down, that I'd say, I'm not able, I, I can't do it. And he's looking at me, smiling, grinning from ear to ear. And I said, uh, thank you, but I decided not to go that. And I, I started giving him every excuse in the book, you know, I need to finish up. And, you know, Don and I just got married and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and blah. And the whole root problem was is that I felt inadequate for the job. And I didn't know how to do what they were asking me to do. I had not a clue how to do it. And he looked at me. And he said, Rob, let me tell you something. That is a bunch of demonic hogwash. The overseer of California is telling me about demonic hogwash. And he said, here's what you're going to do. He said, you're going to get on your face before God and you're going to seek his face and you're going to ask him how to do this job that you've been asked to do. And you are going to take the job. You are going to go. You are going to do it. You are going to succeed, not because of all that you know, but because of how God is going to use you and Donna in ministry. So you will say yes. Ladies, hands on me. Prayed one of those good Pentecostal prayers. And off we went to ministry in Toledo, Ohio. I didn't have a clue what to do. Didn't even know. I didn't, didn't know. But I got on my face before God and I said, God, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. I don't have the knowledge I don't have the understanding. I have the musical ability. I can read music. I can understand those kinds of things. But God, I don't know how to do this. The only thing that I know about music in the church was when I grew up in the church that sang uh, the same songs every week. Uh, There's power in the blood. Oh, this is like heaven to me. I know how to sing those songs, but I don't know how to direct choirs. I don't know how to put praise teams together. I don't know how to teach. And God just began to show me and begin to reveal what I needed to know to be successful in ministry. I'm talking about 
about that opportunity to tell you that God is raising some of you up to do ministry on a level that you never thought was possible don't worry about your knowledge. Don't worry about your level of understanding. Because the God that I serve, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will show you and teach you everything that you need to know in the moment that you need to know it. So get off the bench and get in the game. As we go forward in the next few years... We're going to have to have some people who get off the bench and get involved in what God is calling you to do. Don't say, I'm not trained. God will train you. Don't say, I'm not educated. Let the Holy Spirit educate you. Don't say, I'm not talented. Don't say, I'm not wealthy. Don't speak, I'm not well known. Because in the kingdom of God, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is does God have his hand upon your life? And has he called you to do what he's asking you to do? So what do you do when you're in a situation like this? And you've got a brother that's saying you're not worthy. And you've got a king that says you're not able. I'll tell you what David did. He didn't strike back. But he spoke back. Uh, there's a difference between striking back and speaking back. I don't care how many times you find yourself having to fight the devil in your life. You will never be able to land a physical blow upon Satan. Because he's spiritual and he's not here. You can't grab him by the neck and choke him to death. It's not possible. If you're going to beat the devil... The only way you're ever going to do it is if you speak the word of God that you know to be true because it's in your heart and it's in your spirit. And you can say, devil, here's what the word of God has to say about this situation. But you know what I've discovered through the years? I, I don't know if this is true for you or not, but it seems to be true for me. I think we spend too much time talking to the devil. I think sometimes we just say, well, devil this and devil that and devil tomorrow and devil today and devil at dinner and devil at breakfast and devil this and devil that. I think sometimes it's time for us to just ignore him and act like he doesn't even exist. He does, and he'll come against you, but you know what? If we're going to be speaking, instead of speaking to the devil, we need to be speaking the word of God and saying the devil said, you know, the devil said that and meant that, but God said in his word, this, 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 and speak the word of God. When the devil comes up and tries to taunt you, just turn around the other direction and say, Jesus, what was it that you said about that situation? I remember in your word. You know, when the devil comes to the leper and says, hey, said you're leprous and, and, and you're going to die and, and you've got to be outside of the camp and, and you can't, you know, you're never going to live a normal life and the enemy is trying to bear him and wear him down. And then the leper just turns around and sees, sees Jesus and he said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And you know what Jesus said? He said, I will be clean. 
you know, we Pentecostals, we got to work it up. Come on, work it up. Work it up. Come on, musicians, come up here and get one of those hot ones out. And that's guy, you know, look what the Lord has done. Woo! 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 I mean, we got to work it up. You know what I'm talking about? Before God can do anything. Do you know what I've discovered is God has sent the answer when we prayed and we don't have to work anything up. When we, when we do that, when we sing like that, when we praise like that, it, it ought not be to try to get God to do something. Come on, Jesus, do something. It ought to be God has already supplied the need. He's already given the word of wisdom that I needed. He is able, and I am able, and I just need to rejoice for a minute about all that God has done for me. I'm not, not against good, exciting Pentecostal celebration. I'm not against it at all. Next time you want to get up a good dance service, let me know. I can't dance. I'm like Phil Collins. I can't dance. But I'll sure give it my best effort. Because God has been good to me. Here's what David did in verse 37. King Saul says, you can't do it. You're not able. You're just a lad. And you're trying to be as a lad what he was as a lad. He can do it, but you can't do it. Hypocrite. And here's what David said in verse 37. It says, and David said, let me tell you something, Saul. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Let me tell you something. When you start speaking the word of God, when you start saying this is what God said, when you start saying by his stripes I am healed, when you start saying uh, that he will supply my every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, I'm telling you every hypocrite in the land is going to have to back off and say, if that's what God said to you, then go and walk in your blessing. That's what Saul said. He said, hey, I'm not going to argue with you. If you fought a, a, a bear and if you fought a lion under the anointing of God, then you go forth against this Philistine and God will give him into your hands. Stop giving all these hypocrites a place in your life to speak. All these negative, naysaying, unbelievers, discouraging and depressing the fire out of you. Sometimes through the years, and I'm so thankful I don't have to deal with this here. Thank you so much. Honestly, I love you so I, I'm I say it all the time, but it's true. I don't have to deal with the same kind of nonsense that a lot of pastors do. But there have been times through the years that I've had people right up in my face, church met good godly people, just giving me a good piece of their mind. And I'm just standing there looking at them. And I don't know, it's like I go into la-la land. Like, <laughs> do you ever have anybody speak to you like that? It's just like, and inside your mind, you're saying, shut up. I don't want to hear this. 
Yeah, time for this. I had a music director one time that I, I told him when church was over on Sunday morning. I said, I want to see you in my office before you leave the house today because I'd had conversation after conversation after conversation after conversation about him singing all day long on Sunday morning. He'd sing and sing and sing and say, it'd be one thing if the spirit was moving, but everybody's going, oh God, if he doesn't quit soon, I'm going to pass out. I said, you, you got to shorten this thing up. I said, we got to do something different because this is not working. And he called me all kinds of nonsensical stuff and you just don't want to see the Spirit of God move. I said, I would love to see the Spirit of God move. That's why I'm asking you to shut up. <laughs> and so one Sunday, I said, sir, called his name. I want you to sing three songs today. And when you're done with those three songs, if something ain't happening, I want you to go sit down. And he'd always go sit down in his chair and he'd lean back and take a nap while I'm preaching. He'd, until the altar call and then here he is ready to come back again. Man, I wanted to lay hands on him so many times. But I told him after he sang about six, seven, eight songs, after I'd asked him to sing three, I just went by. I told him, I said, in my office after church, you and me. His eyes got about that big around, and I was very nice. I didn't punch him. I didn't hit him. I didn't call him names. I just said, sir, you will never lead another song in this church as long as I'm the pastor because you have a spirit of rebellion on you, and you have no desire to encourage and edify, but only to have a platform where your gifting can be seen. And I will not give place for you to abuse the people in that manner. He looked at me and he said, oh. Mr. High and Mighty. I said, no, I'm not Mr. High and Mighty. I've been trying to work with you for months now, and you simply will not be worked with. And I'm the pastor. I'm the shepherd of the church. And it's my job to make these kinds of decisions. He came Wednesday night to church. He said, I need to see you for a minute. And he came in. And he said, I feel like that God is calling me to the assembly of God. And I said, go with my blessings. I said, if you'd like for me to call the pastor and put in a word. I didn't say a good word. I said, I'll be happy to do that. But you see, sometimes we have to stand in the face of the enemy. And we have to say, look, I know what, the God, what God has done in my life. I know how he has delivered me in the past. I know how that when I faced that lion, there was no way that I could overcome this situation had it not been for the hand of God, but the hand of God delivered. And I know when I fought that bear that there was no chance that I could overcome, but the hand of God delivered me. And I'm here to tell you today that if the Spirit of God could rise up me and in me and help me to overcome the bear, 
there and the lion, this Philistine, will go down today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Say this with me. Put it up on the screen. I want you to practice. I want you to practice saying this. Jesus Christ has made me able. I can do all things through Christ who has strengthened me. He has never let me down, and he will not let me fail if I trust him. You say, why are you making me say that? Because some of you need to get used to start declaring who you are and what can happen in your life. Let me tell you something that I've had to learn in my life. If God's called me to a particular task, he will not let me fail if I will trust him. I, some of you may be thinking right now, well, there he is again, old Mr. High and Mighty. No, if I were depending upon my own ability, it would be entirely different. That's called arrogance. But when I can stand in the knowledge that God has called me, he has appointed me. And not only has he appointed me, he will anoint me to do what needs to be done and what he is calling me to do. That's not arrogance. That's faith. That is spirituality. That is a man or a woman of God saying, in my flesh, I could not do it. But in my spirit, I know that all things are possible to him who believes in the Lord. Notice what Psalm chapter 1 verse 3 says. It says, he's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So stop walking around like a withered leaf. Wind's getting a little strong. I don't know if I'll be able to make it or not. I'm a withered leaf. Who told you you were a withered leaf? Did the devil tell you you were a withered leaf? Did the king? Did the president? Did the congressman? Did the governor? Did your husband? Did your wife? They tell you you ain't nothing but a withered leaf. You better be careful because if you start believing that, you'll just blow with every wind that comes your way. You at some point got to square your shoulders and say, I am not a withered leaf. The Bible says I cannot be like a withered leaf because he's going to make sure that my fruit prospers in my life. Last question David had to deal with. It is this. Who told you that you're not favored? Who told you that you're not favored? 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 43 says, And the Philistine, now notice the progression here. Eliab the brother tells him he's unworthy to be there. The king Saul said, you're not able to do what needs to be done. And now here he is standing before the enemy, Goliath. And here's what Goliath says. He says, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine 
cursed David by his gods. Notice that last phrase. The Philistine cursed David by his gods. What should our response to that be? Big deal. Your God's not even real. <laughs> why, why should I be afraid of the Philistine God? He's not even going to keep you protected today from me. Why should I care? We live in an age and in a society where there are so many different belief systems. There are so many different religious systems. We're, we're so afraid of what the government is going to do to the churches. Listen, this doesn't come out of arrogance, but I just need you to know I ain't scared. I'm not afraid. I just last night I'm sitting on the deck. I'm, I'm just, and I shouldn't do this. I stopped for a long time and then I started scrolling through Facebook again. There is a spirit of fear among the men and women of God that prevents us from being victorious. But you know how I know that? I don't know. I don't know if I can make it or not. I did say some tough stuff. This morning I read early some people in my neighborhood. There were teenagers running through the neighborhood tonight. Oh my gosh. What are we going to do? I hope my ring camera got a picture of them so that we can turn them into the police. And when I was a kid, we used to tip over outhouses. And <laughs> Halloween, everybody had a good bar of soap in their britches pockets all the time. Why? So we could ride on people's windshields. I'm so thankful there weren't any ring cameras back in those days. I'd have been arrested no telling how many times. Somebody turned me in one time. I didn't have a license, but I had a motorcycle. I was too young to have a license, so I had a motorcycle. My dad bought the motorcycle for me. I mean, when your dad buys you a motorcycle, you kind of think he expects you to ride it. Thirteen years old and riding a motorcycle through my town. Somebody called, Yeah, boy, back riding that motorcycle, and he ain't got no license. I saw a police officer, I think we only had one in that little town, and he caught me riding my motorcycle, and, and the chase was on. <laughs> Went through all the backyards I could think of and parked that thing in the garage. He had to go down the streets and all that. I put it in the garage, put the, the, the cover over the top of it, and when he came driving up, I said, hey, officer, how you doing? He said, you've been out riding again, haven't you? I said, it's in the garage. He said, come with me. We walked into the garage, and he pulled the tarp up, put his hand down on the motor, and he said, I ain't stupid, son. And I said, you're absolutely not. You're one of the most intelligent men that has ever lived on the face of the earth. 
You say, well, how did you get there? I'm telling you that we are so afraid of things that might happen and could happen that we can't hardly live through a day without getting on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is and telling everybody how scared we are and how afraid we are. Listen, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We got to operate with some anointing in our lives. Satan will say this to you. He'll say, you're a sorry excuse for a human being. He'll say, you are an absolute nothing. He'll say, you are a bottom feeder on the fish tank of life. He will say, you are under a curse. He will say, you are destined to be a failure. Let me point you to David's response. And musicians come so I can quit. 1 Samuel 17, 44 through 47. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then David said. If he said something, it meant that he used words. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword, not with sword, not with spear, not with carnal weapons for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into my hand (laughs) don't you love that use your words use your words against the enemy I don't know who told you you're unworthy but they lied to you I don't know who told you that you're unable. They lied to you. And I don't know who told you that you're not favored. You need to know today that you are the apple of God's eye. And he loves you with an everlasting love. Aren't you thankful? He said, I don't know, that might work for you, Pastor. You know, you, you get up, you talk in front of people all the time. You know, you say things, and you say this, and you say that. And I, Let me tell you something. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, the only thing I'd be able to say to you with any confidence is all, at all is that corn grows in the summertime. Because I grew up in a farm community, and I, that, that, that's all I knew. But because of the Lord, 
And because of his anointing upon my life, he has given me opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to represent him well and to do what he's asked me to do. And if he can do that for me, he can do that for you. I believe that with all my heart. Will you stand with me this morning? I want the prayer team to come and get in position. If you're here this morning and you need prayer, we're going to let you come in just a moment. But here's the final point, the final thing that I want to point out to you, and it is this. David used his words before he used his weapon. You see, if it had been the other way around, his faith would have been in the weapon. His confidence would have been that I've used this sling many, many times and I know how to do it. I can do it. I know the process. I know how to pick up the right size stones. I know what this process looks like. If he'd have selected his weapon first, his confidence would have been in the flesh but he didn't pick his weapon first he spoke the word of the Lord first he said this day son you are going down how do you know how did he know because he knew he was standing in front of a an uncircumcised Philistine and he was standing as a circumcised man of God. You say, I don't want to get into that. I, you know, if I got to do that to be saved, I, I don't know about all that. Listen, we like to say this all the time. God ain't against you. God's for you. And for his people, that's true. God loves you. And he's not against you. He's for you. But listen, if you're not on God's side, he ain't for you. And he'll bring judgment into your life. So I'm just telling you today, you better be on the Lord's side. Because if you're on the Lord's side, uh, you have the blessings and the anointing of God in your life. But if you're not on the Lord's side, uh, the Lord is not for you. And He'll fight you. And He will bring you down just like He brought down that a one circumcised Philistine named Goliath. So are you on the Lord's side today? Aren't you glad that God's on your side? Aren't you? I've asked the singers to come sing one of my favorite songs that they've done in a long time. And they're going to come and they're going to sing this song. And you'll get it as soon as they start singing. You'll understand. But listen, if you're here in this house today and you've been somewhat discouraged or you felt a little bit like a failure or you felt like, I, I don't really know what my next steps are and, I, and I'm just not sure. I'm not walking in the confidence that I need to walk in and that I know that I can have through Christ Jesus. And I, I know that something's just not quite right if that's you today I want you to take a step of faith and come down and let them pray for you 
so that you can leave this house today and know that you can be confident in the Lord. Because listen, I don't know who's told you all this junk. I don't know who's whispered all this stuff into your ears. But I'm here to tell you, if they're not building your faith, it's not from God. Because God is here to build you up. I love it when Jesus went down to lay his hands on Jairus, his daughter, who they said was dead. And he walks in, and the very first thing that Jesus did was he put all the doubters out. So I can't work in this atmosphere. I don't need a bunch of doubters around here because what's about to happen can only happen in faith. Let me tell you something today. I, I, I don't want you to feel like I'm asking you to leave the church. That's not it. But if your tendency is to be a doubter, if your tendency is to doubt this and doubt that and doubt everything, listen, I'm not asking you to leave the church. But what I am asking you to do is get out of doubt and get into faith so that God can use you for this next season that he has for us. So singers, will you sing? And if you need prayer this morning, come on down. Let them pray with you this morning. I love this song. Let's